Hi, welcome or welcome back. I'm Cassie. And I'm Tiffany. And this is Happy Hour Gets Weird. We're actually doing another bonus one and done episode because the next topic they're working on needed a little bit more time to research because it's a doozy. It's worth it. I promise you. It's a big, big episode. So Mm -hmm. thank you so much for being patient and we will get it out. We just want to make sure that any content we put out, especially a true crime one, we cover it the best that we can and do the best job that we can. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that will be coming next week. So in the meantime, enjoy this good, funny, weird news one and done episode. Let's do it. Okay. So we're going to start it off. Actually, usually with our one and dones, if, if you're new here, we don't normally have a cocktail per se on our one and dones, but today I did make one. It's a pilot cocktail. It's kind of crazy, so I'm just going to share it. I'll share it, well, with you, Tiffany, and anybody listening, but it is a coconut pomegranate margarita. Delicious. It's beautiful, and it's delicious, so I'm like, I think this is going somewhere, so that's what I'm sipping on (laughs) today. Sounds fantastic. All right, so we're going to get started right away. And this is kind of an old news story. It's not current, but I thought it was amazing, so I had to share it. A woman a woman was arrested four times in 26 hours for playing Highway to Hell Too Loud. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, okay. Yes. Expand. So this... This news story comes from metronews.com and Joyce Coffey got into trouble from the police for blasting the ACDC song and other loud music from her home. Police first issued a warning um, on a Tuesday afternoon, according to authorities, and an hour later arrested her for playing extremely loud music. She was arrested again five hours later before being released and rearrested again before dawn on Wednesday, again because of her really super loud music. So Miss Coffee was then arrested for the fourth time after her nephew told police he attempted to remove some of his belongings from the house and she threw a frying pan at him. Oh shit. Um so the <laughs> Okay, so she went um, and she was jailed and then it was reported that a judge has since recommended she use headphones <laughs> to avoid any more future arrests. Um, it, I, yeah, I don't know. I just, um, I just, you know, she's going to fight for her right to party, I guess. And that's, there's a price to pay for that. I think that she should be getting some concert tickets from somebody thrown her way. Where's ACDC? I know. Like, what the hell's going on? She is so representing your band. Throw her some concert tickets. Yeah, send her a swag bag or something. Come on. Send her some fucking headphones. <laughs> um, I, th- I thought, I was like, you know what? Let a woman live, okay? Let a woman live. Maybe her nephew was annoying. I'm not condoning throwing frying pans at people, but I'm just saying, maybe he's trying to take those speakers. I bet he was. I 100% believe that he was. 
Our next story is animal related. This comes from UPI.com by Ben Harper. And this is a recent one. This is July 25th, 2022. Whoa, very recent. Yes. So police in England responded to a burglar alarm at a DIY store and arrived to find that the culprit was a squirrel and he was stealing nuts and bird food from the store and had set off the alarm. Oh my Uh, gosh. That's like paradise for a squirrel. Seriously. I mean, and they had to bust out the tiny little cuffs. (laughs) Shut up. And they, um, but unfortunately for the police um, or animal control, that um, the squirrel was too quick, quote, quick and nimble for us and got away. So they put an APB out for a squirrel um, carrying uh, nuts and birdseed in his cheeks. Oh, that's the cutest crime around. I know. It's pretty cute, huh? It's like in the olden times when they said, if you break out of jail, we, we're we not going to punish you because that's your natural inclination. It's like you can't get mad at a squirrel for stealing all of the bird food and nuts from a store. That is just, like I said, that is squirrel heaven. That's like if yeah. the world goes to an end or like everything gets really really bad zombie apocalypse status I think I'm gonna move into Sam's Club just because we don't have a Costco though I mean why wouldn't you and at the end of the day squirrels are gonna squirrel so (laughs) I just feel like um yeah I'm happy he got away and um good for him okay so our next one is also animal related and this is from week.com w-e-e-k.com And a border collie named Saul definitely earned some extra treats and back scratches last week after he helped a search and rescue team find his owner in California's Tahoe National Forest. So this is in my neck of the woods. Yeah. On July 12th, Saul's 53-year-old owner tumbled 70 feet while hiking and broke a hip and several ribs. Ouchie. Oh my gosh, that's so scary. Ooh, hiking is so dangerous. Hiking is very dangerous. The next day, he was able to get a cell phone service and called for help. And about 25 Nevada County Sheriff's search and rescue made their way to the area. And in, quote, true Lassie fashion, Saul ran up to the members of the team and led them back to his owner, who was under a camouflage tarp. Um, Saul wow. was jumping up and down and spinning around in circles. And um, Sergeant Dennis Hack of the Nevada County Sheriff's Office Search and Rescue told KCRA he took them right to the victim. It was about 7 p.m. by the time they found the man who was airlifted to a local hospital and Saul was treated to a well-deserved dinner. Oh, good job, Saul. And man, I mean, he was under a camouflage tarp. (laughs) I mean, listen, I'm (laughs) I'm not judging. I'm not judging. But I am going to say, if I was wanting to be found, Mm -hmm. I would not hide under a camouflage tarp. I'm just saying, if there was air search and rescue, that would be the worst place to hide is under a camouflage tarp. (laughs) 
wearing one of those, what is it, a ghillie suit? It's like fully covered. You just wonder, look like a bush. You're never yeah. going to be found. Yeah. A good thing for Saul. I love when dogs have animal names, just like a normal animal name. I mean, a normal human name. I love when dogs just have like an average person's name. Well, right. And it it is kind of fitting and it's like kind of serendipitous because next time you're hiking, you better call Saul. I'm watching that show right now. I'm behind. No spoilers. <laughs> okay. So next we have a true crime kind of silly. Um, <laughs> I thought it was silly. Um, this comes God, from I hope the, it is now. I hope it actually it is. is silly now or I'm going to, I'm terrified. I'm so it's, scared. It's, it's silly. Okay. So my, my, this comes from MiamiHerald.com and a Northern California burglar forgot his keys inside the crime scene. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> I know. And there's the picture of this, um, or a video of this. So on Monday, July 25th, 2022, a Northern California burglar returned to the scene of the crime this weekend after he forgot his keys inside a donut oh company's God. corporate office. <laughs> so stupid. I know. The thief stole some petty cash from Johnny Donut's office in the San Francisco Bay Area on Saturday night. In another twist, he also grabbed the keys to a bakery vehicle but didn't steal the vehicle itself. So I think what? there was a switch up. I think he uh-huh. accidentally grabbed the wrong keys. Um, San Rafael police are seeking the public's help to identify the burglar who used an unknown tool to manipulate the office doorknob and get inside around 10 p.m. And according to Lieutenant Dan Fink, the crime was reported on Monday. Surveillance video shows the man moving between the office and the back storage area. Um, he took a bank bag with unknown amount of cash. And what well, this is an interesting part. Part of the investigation is finding out why this specific business was targeted. I mean, why not? Right? <laughs> I don't know. Um, seems like kind of like, what? Okay. Uh, maybe they think it was an inside job. Well, maybe. Um, but he's on video and nobody recognized him. So I, anyway, I don't know. Um. The the co-founder or founder of Johnny Donuts said his company plans to deliver a few dozen donuts to the police officers. Oh, my God. I've, I mean, of course. <laughs> the cops are like, thanks. We really needed this. We, we needed this right now. I feel like I like how they say he, they, he used an unknown tool to break in. It was probably just more keys. Like this entire story is just about keys. He probably just somehow had a key. I don't know why they would be worried about the unknown tool. It doesn't really matter at this point. He got in. Whether he, like, said a password and the door opened or he kicked it in or he literally farted on the lock. I don't know. And it opened. Oh, my God. But- if your superpower is farting on locks and maybe the door becomes unlocked, I mean, shit. Nothing will um- stop you. Like, fuck Superman. That's the superpower we need. Yes. Uh, Bloom, the owner, said, quote, it was an unfortunate incident, but we're glad no donuts or team members were harmed. I'm glad that they... Donuts first. Yes. I was just going to say I'm glad they listed the donuts before the actual human beings working at their company, because clearly now we know what is more important to them. 
And he said, sometimes even the thought of donuts makes you do crazy things. <laughs> this guy is a fucking maniac. <laughs> I think that this guy set up this whole thing in motion. He wanted to give the police donuts. He wanted to talk about donuts. I feel like it is an inside job. I'm spreading this rumor. I think he told the guy, hey, fart on that door and it'll be open. And then everything else just kind of happened. Yeah. I just don't understand why he puts donuts on such a high, a high pedestal. pedestal. But um, I mean, there is bread I- and butter. <laughs> there, That's how he feeds his family donuts. He survives on donuts. He makes his money, his dough in donuts, Cassie. That's why. I know. I, I'm sure the way the interview went, he's like, well, I'm just glad no donuts were um, taken in this. Oh, and nobody was harmed. That too. That's that's good. That's a plus. But I'm just like, so this man lost his keys. I don't know. Would you have taken the bakery truck? Uh, no. I wouldn't no. have either. That's a pretty conspicuous. It probably has a giant donut on top. But I also, when I got to my car and realized I grabbed the wrong keys, I would have gone back and got the other keys. I feel like the keys he took had a giant donut keychain. <laughs> like a full-size donut as a keychain. <laughs> yeah, how am... did he... I guess he maybe walked to the crime and didn't drive. Yeah, maybe he walked. But how and did he, he got into... all the way home, farted on the door, let himself in. <laughs> That's why he didn't notice that he had the wrong keys, Cassie. What is he using him for? Not to open up doors. Yeah. Yes, you're right. It was, I mean, literally, what does he need keys for? <laughs> Beats me. Maybe he planted those keys on purpose to frame somebody. Maybe it was to frame the CEO of Duncan. <gasps> oh, my God. Has anybody talked to that guy? Has anybody talked to the CEO of Duncan? <laughs> I bet you they haven't. Hmm. Well, we've solved this case. Case is yep. cracked. Cracked wide open. <laughs> um, okay, so that was a pretty silly story. It was food related, but now this one. I think one... we made the story 30 times sillier than it actually was by the time we were <laughs> Yes, I guess it. farting on a lock and opening it with a fart is pretty silly. But this is actually a very sad story. What? Why are we doing that? And we never normally bring bad news here or sad news, but I decided to switch it up a little bit. Okay. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, so please don't shoot the messenger, okay? Okay. But I wanted to bring this news story and that it is the Choco Taco is now being discontinued. <laughs> I knew you were going to say it. I I know you so well. And I saw this and I honestly was like, this is the straw that broke the camel's back for me. (laughs) All right. This is making people crazy. And I have to say that Klondike, who is the maker of the Choco Taco, they are willing to die on this hill and they are doubling down because they are refusing after multiple, multiple, a millionaire offered to buy the Choco Taco. Okay, they said no. A U.S. senator suggested that they put a bill in place to force Klondike to still manufacture it. Whoa, now that is a slippery slope. Force ma- manufacturing. Forced manufacturing. 
it would Whoa. i think the article i read said it would technically fall under national defense <laughs> this is like the beginning of handmaid's tale the untold story the untold yes. version this is where the government overreach actually mm-hmm. honestly uh, it, like look if this is what a government overreach is going to look like if they're going to force people to manufacture chocolate tacos to make all of u.s citizens happy i'm okay with that the government overreach that's been happening i i'm not i'm not for it yeah this is the one time maybe the government should get involved but everything else they've done the last five years can fuck right off <laughs> exactly um i feel like this is maybe underground marketing and the next thing we're gonna see is commercials that say what would you do for a choco taco well i is this mexican pizza 2.0 because That's what I'm saying i feel like it's all connected i'm like I'm like the Sunny meme with the lines. All the strings are connecting for me. The Sunny in Philadelphia meme with Charlie <laughs> has all the strings. That's yes. me. Choco Taco. Mexican pizza. Dolly's probably in on it. The guy farting on the doorknobs. He's probably part of it too. It's all <laughs> connected in my mind. <laughs> okay. So th- let me tell you why they have decided to discontinue the Choco Taco, which this reasoning, obviously I'm not a business mogul, but it does not make any sense to me. Uh, quote, over the past two years, we have experienced an unprecedented spike in demand across our portfolio and have had to make t- very tough decisions to ensure availability f- of our full portfolio nationwide. So basically what they're saying is people are demanding Klondike bars. They are they are willing to literally do anything, anything. for a Klondike bar. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. have decided in order to keep production for the masses to cut the most loved product. They're sacrificing the taco for the Klondike bar. Um, can we uh, look, I'll be the first one to say this might be controversial, but like, can we maybe discontinue the Klondike bar? I don't know. I think the jingle's too catchy, honestly. Yeah, it's like it is catchy. once a jingle gets to that national scale, you cannot ever discontinue that product. There's no going back from that. Could you imagine if they tried to discontinue Almond Joy and Mounds? Fucking World <laughs> War Three. <III. laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know why they decided to cut the Taco Choco, Choco Taco, because clearly people love it. So, I don't know. Maybe we could get a petition started going around and bring it back like the Mexican pizza. But I just feel like, I mean, maybe they, yeah, they wanted a spike in sales. So, they were like, we're discontinuing this. So, everybody ran out to get a Choco Taco. And then they're like, just kidding. I'm actually going to go buy a few dozen boxes. And that's going to be my retirement fund, my kid's college fund, my rainy day fund. Mm -hmm. eBay, for sure. So... Obviously, I'm a genius. It's fine. That And that is your financial advice for the day, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Choco Taco resale market. Somebody did that with some random Taco Bell item. It wasn't the Mexican pizza. It was something else. And he had them in his freezer. And he was selling them for like $500. And if you're buying a frozen Taco Bell... <laughs> frozen Taco Bell food from somebody's freezer for hundreds of dollars... I, I don't know. You could just probably get do your best to make that yourself i um yeah, yeah. recipe dupe they, there's so My, many recipe dupes online all right so ever since speaking of the mexican pizza ever since mm-hmm. dolly and we had a listener actually 
um, Instagram us and and say in a very sweet way that um, because they re-released the Mexican pizza and then every single Taco Bell ran out of supplies because people were like, yay. And we had a very sweet and funny listener DM us on Instagram and say like, I kind of feel like this has something to do with Dolly Parton because Dolly tweeted about it. Mm-hmm. And um, I think she's onto something for sure because my Taco Bell never has Mexican pizza supplies ever. I feel like everything at Taco Bell is made out of the same 10 ingredients. They're just <laughs> rearranged differently. So I'm not sure how they run out of ingredients for one thing. It's fine though. Just I, the shell, I'm, I guess, is running out left and right. But isn't it a tostada? It's two tostadas. Yeah, maybe they're running out of tostada shells, and they are not going to deep fry another shell for you fresh, Cassie. Like, grow up, okay? <laughs> what do you think this is? A restaurant where you order food and they cook it? <laughs> <laughs> so I started making them myself at home, and they taste just as good. You could buy the Taco Bell sauce at the grocery store, mm-hmm. and I just make them, and it's fantastic. And you know what, Taco Bell? I don't need you anymore. <gasps> uh Taco Bell, she did not mean that. We might need you again. In no, the I absolutely mean that. Look, listen, you give a man a fish he eats for a day, and you teach a woman to fish, she makes a fucking Mexican pizza at home, okay? And you are obsolete now. That was almost as beautiful as I smell a fish. That was <laughs> a Cassie quote that is going to go down in the history books. One of my favorite dinners is tostadas. I do chipotle chicken mm. tostadas, and I love a tostada. I love a Mexican pizza. I love a chocolate taco. Mm-hmm. So once again, this is all connected for me. It goes all the way to the top. <laughs> I'm calling Joe Biden after this. <laughs> yes. I feel like he's involved. Um, okay. So our next story is, look, I'm not trying to fear monger here. Too late. I'm afraid. But I, we have said multiple times that the direction in which AI and robots are headed mm-hmm. is not good, okay? And this just proves it. So there's a lot going on on July 25th, okay? Because this story is also from July 25th. And this co- – oh, and excuse me. The last news story came from AP News, and this one is also from APnews.com. So on July 25th in Moscow – A chess-playing robot grabbed the finger of its seven-year-old opponent and broke it during a chess open tournament. Terrifying. Yeah. First of all, I don't know why a seven-year-old is playing a robot. Is there only one seven-year-old in Russia? (laughs) (laughs) Like, what's going on here? Why did we have robot playing? I don't I don't know. I honestly, I don't know what's going on in Russia. I I don't know, but uh, I definitely don't want to play any games with that robot. No, that is a mean-spirited robot. So I'm assuming if the robot thought that his finger was a chess piece or was he just like, oh, that was a great move. I know how to make sure you don't make another move like that. And he reached over and broke the kid's fingers. <laughs> okay, it said, uh, the robot broke the child's finger. Whoa, nailed it. (laughs) Nailed it. Wait, wait, Cassie. Cassie, will you come back on the air? I don't, I don't know. Is this your cousin from Russia? Because that was incredible. Okay, so (laughs) that was Sergey 
the president of the Moscow Chess Federation, and he told <laughs> Russian TASS agency, um, of course, this is bad. Well, no shit, Sergey. No fucking shit, Sergey. Thank God Sergey's on the case because he's <laughs> fucking just pointing out all the intricacies of this story. All right, so this is what happened. There's a video of this, by the way. I haven't looked it up <gasps> Ooh. yet. Yes. Oh, I don't want to okay. watch that. How awful. It show. It actually shows. I saw this on a headline. I did not click because I didn't want, I don't want to see that. But does it, do you know, does the video actually show his finger getting broken? Because that's brutal. Yes, I believe so. So the video shows the robot taking one of the boy's pieces, then grabbing his finger as he attempts to make a move. Uh, four adults rush in, struggling to free the boy before leading him away from the chessboard. Um, Sergei said that the Chess Federation had rented the robot that appeared in many previous events without incident. What else does this robot do? Do you only rent it out to play chess against it? Because that I've, seems very niche. I. <laughs> okay, so wait, hold on. We just have to make a quick stop. <laughs> By the chess playing robot store. Just really, really quick. Just, I just, I need a chess playing robot that, you know, they only have them at this store. It's right next door to the store that only sells left shoes. Right next door (laughs) to the store that sells um, screws. That's it. Just screws. No other, no nails, (laughs) no nuts, no bolts, no hammers. Just screws. Only screws. It's so weird. Do you think that the, do you think it's trained to play other games? Um... I don't, I think it's actually a, tr- a tr- I think it's trained to hurt children. Oh my God. I know what happened. What happened? They thought that they were stopping at the chess playing robot store, but they were actually stopping at the karate robot store. <gasps> oh my God. Idiots. Oh my gosh. They actually accidentally stopped at the thumb war robot store. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> Why? Like. Can't you read the signs? Yes, it's weird that these robot stores are right next door to each other, but pay attention. <laughs> Maybe in Russian, thumb wrestling and chess are like one letter apart. Yeah. Oh, that we never thought about. Yeah, maybe in Russian, they translate to very close mm-hmm. words. Can you go ask your Russian cousin that did that impersonation? Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, the birds are very close. <laughs> No, that was like Dutch. Dutch. <laughs> oh my gosh, people are going to be so annoyed with us. We're so sorry. We're so I mean, sorry, if we Russia. If we don't piss off Russia, we're definitely pissing off the robots that listen to this show 100%. Well, honestly, I'm just going to say condolences to your fingers, Russia, because this is wild. You have just finger breaking robots on the loose allowed to operate in public around children. Well, the good news is the boy was able to play again the next day and he finished the tournament with a finger on his cast. I don't know if he won or lost. I hope they didn't make him play other robots. I mean, I would never get back in the chess ring with another robot again if I was him. Good thing you don't have to be around robots that often in your everyday <laughs> life. Good thing it's kind of a rare occurrence to run into robots, I- but poor kids. <laughs> So I titled each one of these um, news things myself so I knew which one they were. And I just looked and I titled that one, Fuck Around and Find Out Robot Edition. (laughs) Oh, my God. That might be the name of the episode. Yes, yes, yes. 
Okay, so we have another one, and this is a true crime one. This one is a little um, sad, but it comes from the WashingtonExaminer.com, and this is actually from July 14th, 2022, and it is man kills friend thinking he summoned Bigfoot to eat him. Yes, I heard this story. Um, don't love it. Mm-mm. Pretty sad. I think it's giving bit. Foot a bad name. Everybody knows that Bigfoot is a vegetarian. Bigfoot would never hurt a person. Mm-mm. I mean, if it, we would know by now if that were the case. But yeah. what a strange. Okay. Does it give any insight into the man who, the murderer? Um, It does a little bit. Uh, not really. Um, So the Oklahoma man accused of killing his friend on a fishing trip said um he believed the friend had summoned the legendary bigfoot monster to eat him he was 53 and um they were out on what's called a well in this new news article they called it a bare-handed fishing trip yeah like nude catfish noodling noodling um which is i don't know sketch anyways honestly i'm not sticking my arm in like a deep dark water-filled uh stump no thank you yeah i think you kind of stick it in like a muddy hole right and then the catfish are in there and then they think it's like the world's biggest worm i i wouldn't do it it seems freaky or a giant like flesh colored dildo i don't it's just not nobody i it's i don't get it but um so they were out on this fishing trip and apparently a fight broke out between the two of them Mm -hmm. and he struck him in the head and then unfortunately strangled him and ended up unaliving him. Um, and he said that he um, killed his friend because his friend, quote, intended to feed him to Sasquatch and or Bigfoot. Um, yeah, that's just really unfortunate that Bigfoot's good name was dragged into this um, sad case. And very bizarre. I don't – it makes me think maybe there was – I don't know, some drinking or, or drug use involved. Well, wasn't maybe? the guy wasn't the guy who was murdered trying to help his friend out because his friend was recently incarcerated and he was trying to just hang out with them and get him like back out into society into society? Wasn't that what yeah. it was or was it the other way around? I'm not sure. This news article didn't say. Um, but you know, that's super unfortunate if his friend was just trying to help him uh, back on his feet and he you know was had no idea what he, what was coming so yeah, yeah maybe, I just, I'm wrong, maybe I'm wrong on that don't quote me on that but it's a sad case and also very bizarre what's such that's like such a bizarre excuse to do that to somebody so yeah. weird yeah yeah so mm. rest in peace his friend and our condolences and um, maybe hopefully that man will get some help because everybody yeah. knows that Bigfoot is a gentle giant and obviously a, a herbivore yeah i mean if anything like he's on a bear diet i feel like he might eat fish what is that pescatarian mm-hmm. is that what it's called mm-hmm. yeah, i would assume I would say, he eats oh. fish berries yeah definitely he has to keep not it light for his interdimensional travels he can't travel on an empty stomach. it's like swimming after eating you got to keep it light that's how i feel with bigfoot traveling between dimensions you can't cross through the veil on a after a heavy meal are you kidding me no that's yeah 
No the way. strain on your gallbladder alone is just not good. Everybody knows <clears throat> that. I mean, that's just like one of those things. Everybody knows. Common knowledge. Yes. All right. So now this one comes from NPR. And we're going to switch it up. This is kind of cool. I picked this one because I, um, all for you literary geeks out there, myself and Tiffany included, so I didn't know this, but every year in the Keys, they have a Hemingway lookalike contest. They should have a Hemingway drink-alike contest and see who makes it out of that one. <laughs> I, I think nobody. <laughs> uh, Hemingway didn't even make it out of that one. <laughs> no. <laughs> so in Key West, Florida, these men came in wool fisherman sweaters uh, sportsman's attires there's cream color sweater the guy the man who won was wearing a cream colored sweater mm-hmm. um and he caught the eye his name is john Auville, and he is a, an attorney and he caught the eye of the judges who awarded him the title for the most resembling author and formerly key west resident ernest hemingway so 124 men showed up at this annual Hemingway lookalike contest at Sloppy Joe's Bar, the Key West establishment where the author was a regular patro- patron, patron, <laughs> patron. That's that a was his slip. favorite bar. Remember we did an episode where for some reason we thought we would have time to talk about the entire life of Edgar Allan Poe and the entire life of <laughs> Ernest Hemingway in one episode because uh, it was the early days and we're like, we can definitely fit these two biographies into one episode for American. sure. 100%. Uh, writers yes yes um, 100% oh rookie move those were the days we were so green actually we, we're still we're green st- we're still learning <laughs> we're still learning every day but that was I mean what were we thinking I know I, I I didn't I didn't mind that I learned some stuff about Hemingway he was kind of weird he was I, I his biography was great i mean i would recommend it if you want to feel like you haven't ever done a thing in your life read hemingway's biography because that's how i felt when i was done i would love to go there i would love to go to the keys and kind of just go down his path you know me too me too and all the men if you can't imagine what ernest hemingway looked like imagine like a sportsman version a sportier sportsman version of like santa claus Mm -hmm. um he had white hair not a very long beard but a full white beard Mm -hmm. um and there's a picture of these men and they they do look like hemingway the guy that won does look quite an awful lot like him later in his life but i just thought that was cool i would judge to be i'd be a judge on that contest yeah seriously Seriously. So I just thought that was a cool little kind of a fun thing going on that um, that was happening. That is fun. You have to celebrate it when you have somebody that extraordinary living in your area. You have to celebrate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're on to our second to last news story. And this also comes from NPR. And I thought this was um, pretty cool because a distillery is fighting an invasive crab species by turning the crabs into whiskey this is right up our alley remember our weird booze Mm -hmm. crab whiskey honestly i love crab but i don't really like whiskey so i don't know would it even out for me i think so i think i think it would green crabs are the invasive pests 
threats that have plagued North America's marine ecosystems for more than 200 years. A New Hampshire distillery is taking on the problem by using them to make green crab-flavored whiskey. The green crabs are so abundant that it's going to take a lot more than whiskey to curb the population. But some hope bringing awareness to the issue will lead to creative solutions. And I love this. I'm all about creative solutions. Like, I think this is so fantastic. If it's, we have, um, there's a ton of invasive, invasive species all over. And I feel like if you're not aware, like if you don't, fish or boat a lot or swim a lot or hike a lot or if you're not in that arena of work you don't realize how like kind of devastating an invasive species whether it's an animal a plant an insect can be to an ecosystem like it will totally like for example bark beetles right now in california are contributing to wildfires and how devastating they can be because a bark beetle will go into a tree They'll eat the shit out of it, kill it, and then it's basically just like a pile of dead, dried wood (laughs) to ignite. Yeah. So I am all for this creative solution. I think it's such a fantastic idea. Can I just say one thing, though? Why not vodka? Because that seems to go better with crab for like Bloody Mary cocktail things. I don't know. Whiskey and crab doesn't seem to go as well as vodka and crab. In my opinion, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not trying to be okay. a whiskey hater. I'm just throwing. <laughs> it. Uh, well, you could always uh, make a whiskey Mary, a Bloody Mary. Uh, no, I had to do that before for somebody, and it was foul. No, it's foul. Okay, thank you. No, okay. Regardless, I'm with you, and I love a creative solution. And yeah, if you're making booze, all the better. Yeah. So Tamworth Distilling. Crab Trapper whiskey gets some of its flavor from green crabs caught off the coast of North of New Hampshire. So the crabs hitched a ride in the 1800s from Europe, from ships coming over and all that stuff. Um, they eat tons of shellfish and they destroy fish habitats. So the product developer at Tamworth Distilling had the idea for the project, said the crabs were cleaned and prepared just like any other crab you might order at a restaurant. Um, people are quote, people are going to hear crab whiskey. And I venture to say three quarters of them are going to say, no, absolutely not. But if you can get them to taste it, they totally change their tune for the most part. So first they make a crab stock. Then they distill it using a vacuum still, a glass machine that allows for precise temperature control. It looks like a crazy piece of laboratory equipment, which this is true. I went to a whiskey and moonshine distillery in Vegas, and they do look like – it looks like a total laboratory. It's wild. Mm-hmm. It preserves the flavor and aroma molecules that would get destroyed if we were to boil it. The stock is mixed with spices like mustard seed, coriander, and cinnamon, then combined with a bourbon base. Robinson calls it a – thinking sipping drink quote it's meant for you to explore your own perception through your olfactory senses Mm -hmm. each bottle of whiskey uses about a pound of green crabs but one distillery alone isn't going to make much of a dent in the green crab population that's because their numbers are out of control 
says the marine biologist and fisheries and specialist at the University of New Hampshire. They're probably one of the most successful invasive species that we have in North America, at least in the marine world, and they can eat about 40 pounds of mussels a day with just one crab. You multiply that by a bazillion and you have no more clams or mussels. And of course, as with everything, climate change is making things worse. Warmer ocean offers more hospital environments for this invasive crab to thrive. So I think this is a fantastic idea. I feel like let's go there. Let's order this whiskey. Let's, you know, more demand, more supply, less green crabs, more clams and mussels, more uh, intact uh, fish habitats mm-hmm. like this is such a cool this is such a cool idea i was like i love it i love it i love it i love it you know who would love this hemingway um, yes <laughs> this is right up his alley yeah so i just i love that story so i thought it was cool so if you're in new hampshire and you're near this distillery go test out this green crab whiskey and tell us how it is that's your homework um yes Okay, so this brings us to the last story of the day. And I wanted to end on a sweet one. I wasn't going to worm NATO us again. Okay. Um, so this one's from NPR. And Julie and Jimmy Johnson, Julie and Jimmy Johnson, what a cute name as a couple, mm-hmm. are no strangers to dogs. They have three of their own that regularly sleep in the bed with them in their home in southeast Tennessee. It's a real dog pile. But recently, the couple woke up to find a large tan dog sandwiched between them that was not one of their own dogs. (laughs) Quote, you could see light coming into our curtains in our bedroom, and I feel my husband not just roll over, but kind of startled, just almost like a jump roll over, and it woke me up. And in a quiet but stern voice, he said, Julie, whose dog is this? Julie was immediately com- uh, admittedly confused, thinking it was, of course, one of their three dogs, Hollis, Jupiter, or Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. But then she rolled over, locked eyes with Jimmy, only to find an unknown dog in bed with them. <laughs> My husband just went to kind of pull the blankets up a little, almost uh, like they were going to protect him. And at that point, the dog got even further up in our pillows and snuggled in and was just 100% content being there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Where did this dog come from? What is happening? Okay. It didn't take much time after that to realize that the strange dog was not a threat, but instead a cuddle bug and maybe a bit of a bed hog as it pushed the Johnsons to both sides of their king bed. After taking a look at the dog and realizing that it was well cared for and it must have had owners, Julie said she started taking some selfies of the bizarre and funny situation and then posted a few photos to Facebook in what she said was the weirdest post I've ever had to make, asking her friends if anyone had recognized the dog. It didn't take long before Julie received a message from a person saying they were the dog's owner, and it turned out that the dog, whose name is Nala, had slipped out of her collar a while, uh, collar while on a walk and ran into the woods the previous day, and unfortunately there was large thunderstorms in the area, which probably scared her into their home mm-hmm. through a doggy door. Yeah, totally. And um, she crawled right into bed with them. So Nala's mom was on the way to get her. Um, 
and the Nala's mom said, our overly friendly pup Nala has hit an all-time record for ignoring personal space and added yet another trick to her long list of Houdiniacs. Shame on Nala for somehow breaking into a stranger's house, invading their personal space. Thankfully, the couple thought it was hilarious and they aren't even mad about it. And there was no hard feelings and they even get the four dogs together for play dates. Poor Nala. That's hysterical. Um... (laughs) Good thing that that circulated on Facebook so fast because without her caller, she might not have been found. I know. I know. It It is sad that there was a thunderstorm that as if you have a dog, you know, probably scares your little doggos um, just yeah. like fireworks. So maybe it was a good thing there was a thunderstorm because it kind of scared her into a home and she went into the right home, mm-hmm. um, clearly a home of dog lovers. And then they found her her parents. So I thought I thought that was a cool story to end on. I think that the other dogs were like, hey, Nala, come in here with us. <laughs> I think that they, I think that a party, they had a dog party and then they all just slept in the bed with their owners. I mean, but you have to think about like what three dogs let an absolute stranger dog come into the house and crawl into the bed with their parents without a peep. That's what I'm saying. I think that they were not stranger dogs. I think they knew mm, each other. They knew each other. On the streets. Yeah. <laughs> a lady in the streets but a freak in the bed that's nala for sure yes Um, that is a cute story cassie good job you didn't warm warm nato it you did not warm nato it i didn't warm nato it i thought today is a good day to not warm nato should i bring up tom hogg one more time (laughs) (laughs) oh great job cassie you nailed this list thank you and what a great little buffer episode before Mm -hmm. we get to our huge episode later this week. It's going to be a good, yeah, it's going to be a good one. It is going to be, I would say, a good true crime episode. There's a lot of things going on. Um, I want to give a hint so badly. Okay, I will. We are going to cover an American serial killer in our next episode. And probably one that you are not thinking of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's say that we like to go with the un the the not so infamous the unknown ones because listen we have a true crime podcast and we know if if you probably heard all you know the infamous ones and we like to cover stuff that maybe you don't know because what we do like to do whether it's true crime content news content paranormal content whatever the content we do like to teach you something new every chance we get. Yeah. Well, we'll see you soon, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for Happy Hour. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And on that note, don't forget to love yourself, lock your doors, and listen to your gut. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. Tell your cousin I said bye. 